Well, welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and this hour we are going to focus on a couple of different issues that are of great concern to us. Uh, of course, one involves uh, mandates from the federal government with regard to whether or not to acknowledge people in um, you know discrimination against people who are uh, you know trying to maintain a certain level of privacy for their gender based on the way God intended, not the way that the lawyers want it to be. And the other is a, a very shocking development in an issue with regard to ethnicity and ethnic matters, especially as it pertains to people streaming across the border, the southern border of the United States. Notice we don't have this problem in Canada. Canada has really strict uh, border restrictions as to who can get out, and they don't have as many people coming from a lot of different countries. There's 35 million people in Canada. There are millions of people in Central and South America. And, you know, let, can we not miss the fact that this is a great place to be? And people want to live here. <laughs> That's why they'll come here, legally or illegally. But first up, though, I, I, there's a, a group called the College of the Ozarks, which is has become one of my favorite schools since I had their president on the Bottom Line show, gosh, uh, 10 years ago now. Uh, with regard to why it is that College of the Ozarks stands out. One of the reasons it stood out initially for people 2013-2014 is that was a school that promised students, basically, that you could enroll for a, a bachelor's degree, you could complete that degree in four years, and you could graduate without student debt. They had an endowment that provided a certain measure of the uh, the, the, the tuition coverage. And then there was a sweat equity program, which is a fancy way of saying uh, students were encouraged to get a job on campus. And what you could do, and I thought this was brilliant, was College of the Ozarks is a, one of the leading schools for hotel and restaurant management. They have a couple of five-star resorts on campus that are run, I mean, that, that people come and stay at. They're just great uh, facilities to be at. And the students get to work there. It's one of the uh, one of the major uh, forces for that industry in the U.S. as far as the academic world goes. So the fact that this is a faith-based school, they run a couple of five-star hotels, anyone who wants to go and get a degree in four years can do it because they do provide a certain level of scholarship, but then also, I believe you work 15 hours a week during the school year to pay off uh, to, you know, the room and board part uh, and books and things like that, but then if you will work full-time during the summer, you know, eight weeks, uh, in addition, all of that money that you earn, I mean, you don't keep it. It goes toward paying for your expenses, but you can conceivably graduate with a, a fully accredited, awesome valued uh, four-year degree from College of the Ozarks and graduate with no student loan debt. So good on you, College of the Ozarks, for preaching that kind of, uh, and teaching that kind of financial responsibility. But let's also not forget too, that there is the faith component of College of the Ozarks, and that has run them into a bit of a problem. As a matter of fact, uh, they recently had a bit of a setback in court. There's a directive from the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, HUD we call it, that requires all educational facilities to open their dormitories, including dorm rooms, shared shower spaces, bathroom, the whole shot, to members of the opposite sex. Now, Here's the reason how they get around. Now, when I put it to you that way, you're going, wait, that, what? <laughs> that, why, why would anyone do that? It's amazing how the message and the messaging in this story have gotten so convoluted. What you'll hear in the mainstream media is, well, students in the LGBTQ community need protection from the hate-filled rhetoric that's leading to violence against them because of homophobic Christian conservatives. Or, here's what's really happening. A school like College of the Ozarks is being required to recognize gender identity as self-defined by the students themselves and therefore allowing said students to use whatever dorm room, bathroom, shower, shared space, whatever it is, based on what they say. So you know what that means. The simple, I mean, this is the easiest explanation. A man, and we're talking college now, so we're talking men. A man can say to the school, I identify as a woman you must let me use the women's bathroom. You must let me use the women's showers. You must let me room with a woman, and I identify as a woman as well. Therefore, I don't. That's in the scenario. <laughs> you know. And you can't discriminate based on sexual orientation or gender identity. Or, I'm a gay man, and I want to room with my gay lover, and we're going to be intimate and conjugal, and we're going to have different guys coming in and out. People say, oh, come on, that's so extreme. 
and you could do the research. I realize there are a lot of people in the LGBT community who just want to be in a relationship. They don't want to be political. They don't want to be crazy. They don't want, they don't want surgery. They just want to lead, lead quiet lives. But there are a lot of people who are rather boisterous about it. Well, College of the Ozarks said, no, we don't want to do this. We really honestly don't want to do this. So uh, they took this to a lower court. Lower court ruled against them. So they took it to an appellate court. Appellate court ruled against them. It finally went to the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals this past summer. College of the Ozarks challenging a directive from the U.S. Department of Housing and uh, Urban Development that requires them to basically violate their beliefs. They will face fines of up to six figures in addition to punitive damages and attorney's fees if for some reason they don't comply with this order. So Alliance Defending Freedom took on the case. They asked the court for a preliminary injunction that would stop the enforcement of the HUD directive while the lawsuit moves forward. Now, notice that this request on the injunction is not Alliance Defending Freedom saying, hey, throw the whole case out. I mean, that would be ideal. But they're saying, at least let us continue to be a Christian university, Christian college, uh, until there is a court hearing the court ruling. Well, in July, the Eighth Circus Court, basically there are two options with these appellate courts. You either have the full court, which is what, 15 justices or however many they have, and then there's a little panel of three justices. And the panel will make a decision, and if they come up deadlocked, they'll bring in the full court. But, you know, panel of three means it's going to be three to nothing or two to one. And the decision. And in this case, the Eighth Circuit Court voted two to one back in July to deny the request from College of the Ozarks. So according to Julie Marie Blake, who is senior counsel for Alliance Defending Freedom, College of the Ozarks should be free to follow the religious tradition on which it was founded. The government can't strip a private faith-based institution of its constitutionally protected freedoms because it disagrees with its views about marriage or biological sex. Um, she continued, by redefining sex in a federal law to include gender identity, President Biden has grossly overreached his authority and is mandating that Christian colleges must allow boys into girls' dorm rooms and showers and vice versa. We hope the full court will agree to hear this case and halt the government's inappropriate and baseless order. Now, why this is important, if the decision stands, College of the Ozarks would either have to violate its religious beliefs and its rights to free speech by putting men in, who identify as women in female dorms or risk intrusive federal investigations and significant, uh, not, insig- not insignificant enforcement penalties. Now, I know that this is the kind of case where you hear about and you say, well, I'm glad Alliance Defending Freedom is there doing the heavy lifting. I'm glad they're there standing in the gap. But College of the Ozarks has money and Alliance Defending Freedom is a big organization, so therefore, that's good for them. But what if that ever happened to me? And let me ask you the question. What if it did ever happen? Can you imagine if you had a son or a daughter or a grandson or a granddaughter and you were helping to pay the freight for them to go to College of the Ozarks? And now this is what they were up against? They might Their, their academic careers might be at risk, might be in jeopardy. The school might have to shut down. I mean, this is really going to hit people where they live, especially like you and me. I mean, I have a granddaughter who's 12, going on 21. She'll be looking at college in no time. This is something that Lisa and I definitely think about and pray about often. And I can't stress this enough. My little infomercial here for Alliance Defending Freedom. Why Alliance Defending Freedom is so important to us in the body of Christ and especially for Bottom Line Show listeners and supporters. Alliance Defending Freedom is a nonprofit organization. And because of your generous support, College of the Ozarks isn't paying any legal fees. They don't have to tie up precious and valuable educational resources to fight this battle. Alliance Defending Freedom is carrying the heavy load of that. And they do so because of our financial support. Your $100 donation right now, a $250 donation, $500. How about a $10,000 donation to Alliance Defending Freedom? goes a long way toward helping and really helping to secure uh, what's going on uh, in the battle that they're facing right now, in this case with College of the Ozarks, could be impacting your kids and grandkids sooner than you believe. Go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net. There's a banner there to support Alliance Defending Freedom, and I heartily recommend you click on that banner and make your best donation right now. CrawfordMediaGroup.net. And make a great donation to support Alliance Defending Freedom. It's completely tax deductible. I know we just started the new year here. 
Uh, this is a great way for you to uh, get a head start on your tax deductions for 2023. By the way, if you'd like to donate over the phone, they have a toll-free number set up just for bottom line listeners. It's 877-367-6461. 877-367-6461. Make a tax-deductible donation. Make a monthly gift uh, where you, it's just recurring, and I encourage you to do that as well. But uh, go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net today. Uh, what's happening in colleges and high schools and middle schools all across the country is politically correct wokeism mandated by state and federal governments. And recently, I don't know if you saw this, but um, there was a video went out. It was probably a month or so ago. Uh, a young man who's a pastor, who's a parent, has kids that are impacted by the public schools in North Carolina, uh, took to the podium at a school board meeting in the largest school district in North Carolina. This is an African-American pastor and a man of God who went on the rampage against his kid's school district and said, look, you're teaching critical race theory like it's actual fact and it's not. You're painting everybody with the same brush. You've got all the victims over here and the winners over here and, uh, the, and the oppressors over there. And that's not only what's not happened in the United States, but that's not the way God intended this. The same thing holds true with abortion. Anybody who wants to abort a child in public wokeism is right and needs protection. And anybody who says that's a human child in there um, doesn't really have a voice in the conversation. So how do we get to the point where we see a more biblical worldview of this? Not to say that racism never took place. Of course it did, and it still does. But what happens with a conversation that can bring us healing and bring us hope and lasting change? gets put on the back burner simply because of woke political correctness, critical race theory, and the like. Uh, pastor and author John Amanchukwu is going to join me here on the bottom line on the other side of this break. Uh, he's the author of a new book about this issue called Erased, and the word erased is spelled E-R-A-C-E-D. Uncovering the Lives of Critical Race Theory and Abortion. We're going to talk about his appearance at the, uh, the, the school board in North Carolina and what this new resource will do to help parents and grandparents realize that what's happening in publication is not really of God. But then how do we as Christians take a positive step in the direction of defeating racism? to fight for the sanctity of the unborn once and for all. We'll talk about that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Life insurance will never replace the person you love, but that money can help you get through life when it feels impossible. When your life insurance claim is denied while you're already dealing with so much, you need someone on your side. Stephanie Cover of Cover Law used to work for the insurance companies. She challenges and understands the way insurance companies think. Hire Stephanie to file a life insurance appeal while everything is still fresh in your mind. Don't let the insurance company get away with greedy behavior while you're in mourning. Stephanie Cover will do everything in her power to get you the financial protection which was promised to you as a beneficiary of the policy. The money from the life insurance proceeds can supplement your income so you can support yourself throughout the process of bereavement. Save Stephanie's number or call her now at 877-214-4935. That's 877-214-4935. Or you can fill out a contact form at kbrightradio.com slash Coverlaw. Stephanie Cover, she knows the other side. Special guest joining me today here on the Bottom Line Show. Uh, we're going to have a conversation about critical race theory. We're going to talk about what's happening in public education and how the church is taking a more proactive stance in getting involved in doing something about this. I want to take a run at this last name before we get too far in because I don't want to mess it up, though this would be a great name for Scrabble. Pastor John Amachukwa Sr. is with me today here on The Bottom Line. John, did I get your name right? Uh, no, but don't, <laughs> don't feel bad. It took me a while to learn it. Uh, uh -huh. My full name is John Kanayo Chukwu, and a Kanayo Chukwu means I will keep trusting and pleading in God. Okay. And Amon Chukwu means I know God. Okay. And so okay. the last name is Amon Chukwu. Amon so Chukwu. Okay. Yes, yes, oh, yes. All right. Well, good. Well, uh, I appreciate that. Welcome to the Bottom Line Show. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, Pastor John Amanchukwu is the author of a new book called Erased, Uncovering the Lies of Critical Race Theory and Abortion. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and you've made headlines. This is, I mean, before I uh, came across your book, I saw a video of you probably a couple of months ago at a school board meeting saying, hey, wait a yes. minute, we're failing our kids. And I'd love for you to talk about what your passion was, because people have a tendency to look at critical race theory, and they kind of put it in one of two categories, and something tells me that they're 
they may not be getting the whole story of either side of the argument. I love the way you presented the, to the Wake County School Board about your concerns about critical race theory. Kind of help us understand what it is and then what your concerns are about it. Well, we'll start with critical race theory. Uh, critical race theory, um, as you study it, you find out that it's a floating mass. It's hard to pin down. It's elusive. But at the end of the day, critical race theory is racism, period. Okay. Yeah, I call it the Jim Crow era in reverse. Blacks are now doing to whites what was once done to them. The Bible doesn't give an endorsement for that type of uh, reply or feedback. Um, we're called as Christians not to be overcome with evil, but to overcome evil with good. We're called to not give a, rail, a, a railing for a railing or an accusation for an accusation. Right. You know, at the end of the day, critical race theory is a false accusation. And when you look at the term false accuser in the Greek, you'll see the word devil or mm. diabolos. Mm. And Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And that's what critical race theory is. It's an accusation that paints with a broad brush. It labels all whites as inherently racist. And it says that they, says that they, are, they are irredeemable of their racism. And I don't, be, I don't believe that, you know? I believe that racism is not a skin tone or a color, but racism is sin. Amen. So about two months ago, I went down to the Wake County School Board meeting and, you know, I'd, I'd heard about the new diversity, equity, and inclusion office that they had erected that they spent $1 million on. Mm. Um, Wake County is the largest public school system in uh, North Carolina. They have 160,000 students. Um, and I went down there to just really address the issue of critical race theory, gender theory, queer theory and the indoctrination of the public school system. But also to point out that, um, you know, the, the equity office that they have formed, they say that it's supposed to help minorities, mm -hmm. but it's not helping minorities. When you look at the statistics on the test scores for black students, grades third through eighth grade, black students aren't reading on grade level, nor are they doing math on grade level, mm, interesting. but you're spending $1 million on an equity office and the focus is, is supposed to be diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm, mm -hmm. My message was simple. We need to get back to education and stop all of the gross indoctrination that has taken place. Uh, we're, and, and that was really the central uh, focus of my message that day. Well, and it was a powerful message, too. We've got a link for that up at thebottomlineshow.com if you didn't get a chance to hear pastor mm -hmm. and author John Amanchukwu. Did I get that right this time? Good. Yes, okay. doing, okay, doing much better. <laughs> no, I love that. The more practice will make perfect. His new book sure. is called Erased, Uncovering the Lies of Critical Race Theory and Abortion. And I know your heart as a pastor, especially one who's worked with youth, uh, someone who also, too, with a background in athletics, you know, having that competitive nature that says, hey, here's how we do battle here. Uh, it took a lot sure. of courage, obviously, for you to go to the school board and say, hey, guys, look, here's the deal. I mean, when it comes to what you're talking about doing here, you're not even close to delivering on the promise. This just kind of seems more like wallpaper or window dressing. And yet when we talk about exposing the lies, we have to be able to say it's one thing to say, hey, there's dirt in the corner of the room. You know, someone mm -hmm. needs to clean that up. It's something right. else to come along after that and say, OK, what are some practical solutions? And I appreciate the fact that in your book, Erased, you do lay out some things. This isn't just you trying to grandstand and say, I'm pointing sure. out the obvious for headlines. You really do have a solution here. Talk about how we start walking through what has been a problem for centuries in this country and what the church could do to start getting involved in helping. Great question. So the, the book Erased was released uh, I read it about two months ago through Salem Media. If you want a copy, you can go to uh, erased, E-R-A-C-E-D, book.com, and make your purchase there or go to Amazon to get a copy of the book. But uh, during the summer of 2020, I experienced the same thing that you saw, and that was BLM and uh, race hustlers burning down city after city in the name of social justice. 
And while being at one of the busiest abortion clinics in the Southeast, I encountered a black father who walked up to me and asked me a question that I would never forget. He said, why are you out here fighting a white man's issue? Mm. Now, I'm at an abortion clinic. I'm out there to, to save babies. I don't care if the baby is black. I don't care if the baby is white, Pacific Islander, Asian, Hispanic. It doesn't matter. I am called to save lives. Mm -hmm. So on that Saturday morning, nearly 70% of the people outside of the abortion clinic were white. Mm -hmm. But nearly 80 to 85% of the moms in the clinic on that Saturday morning were black, including wow. this man's girlfriend. But he's going to ask me, why am I out here fighting a white man's issue? Mm. I want to make this plain. I don't want to mince words. I want to make this plain. Fighting against the abortion industry, the pro-death industry of abortion, that is not fighting a white man's issue. Calling abortion murder is not a white evangelical worldview. It's a biblical worldview. The Bible tells us in Exodus 20 and 13 that thou shall not kill, or better yet, thou shall not murder. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19 references seven things that God hates. Yes. yes. One of which is the shedding of innocent blood. But today we have moved far away from the scriptures. And we're getting our marching orders from Planned Parenthood. Mm. And this father, you know, he probably had never heard of critical race theory before. But if I were to ask him the definition of it, he would, he would probably say, I don't know. But he was a walking poster child for all things CRT. Mm. Because in critical race theory, they see racism at all times and in all things. Right? Mm, so yeah. the, the very fact of this occasion of me being at an abortion clinic trying to save babies and he sees the um the majority of the people out there being white he views that views that as a racist interaction mm. not knowing listen man you're getting ready to abort your own posterity mm. your own child mm -hmm. and these wonderful white people these wonderful white christians right these wonderful white evangelicals are out here to help you save your child they care more about your posterity than you do but the mm. only thing he could focus on was racism i was wow. utterly disgusted it, it, it's disgusting it's shocking and yet it's really amazing especially when you consider the history of the abortion industry and how it yes. has been so ethnic centric in terms of the specifically targeting of african americans of, of people of color asians people who are uh, infirm you know with mental and and physical disabilities it's just it's it's so egregious and yet you saw this face to face uh, mm -hmm. pastor john amunch i'm going to say amunchukwu uh, who is the yes. author of the book Erased. And we've got <laughs> more of this conversation in just a moment. The link is up at thebottomlineshow.com, by the way, for the book Erased, Uncovering the Lies of Critical Race Theory and Abortion. And the word erased for the book purposes is spelled E-R-A-C-E-D. So you can get the, the race connotation there. More of my conversation with Pastor John Amonchukwu in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Continues. Well, Dennis Wilson is with me today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh, 800-696-9970, or go to wilson-financial.com. There are a lot of people who have been really taking a bath when it comes to stocks this year, stock market off 25% in some segments, but yet you have a new program that's really designed to help somebody in that situation earn some of that loss back. It's obviously designed to do exactly that. It's a very limited offer on a 16% guaranteed return on your account in an account that in the next two years can never go down. It is a great vehicle to help people who have lost money because of the way the market is. But there is a time limit, is there not, Dennis Wilson? People have to act now. The 4th of January, you have an additional, I think, 30 or 60 days to get the funds in because some of these IRA accounts take a while to move. But yes, the initial application and declaration that you want to start the account needs to be signed by 1423. This is a golden opportunity. Go to wilson-financial.com, 800-696-9970, or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Wilson Financial. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, National Crawford Roundtable podcast coming up in a little over 30 minutes here on the program. Um, 
Today we're having a conversation with Pastor John Anmanchukwa. Uh, you may have seen the viral clip that's going around of his rant, as it were, before the uh, North Carolina School Board talking about critical race theory and as a black pastor uh, for Pastor John to, to say, hey, look, critical race theory is not the what, what we should teach kids about uh, racism. We should be teaching them actual history and biblical fact about what it means to be a racist, what, uh, why God celebrates different cultures and ethnicities but when you look under the hood, and we look different on the outside, but we're all the same on the inside. His new book is called Erased, Uncovering the Lies of Critical Race Theory and Abortion. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com and three copies of this book to give away. Crystal is standing by to take your calls right now at 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. You know, this is, I mean, it's, it's the words of Isaiah the prophecy 700 years before the birth of Christ, nearly 3,000 years ago, is crying out to us right now. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, and who put darkness for light and light for darkness. You think of the words of uh, John, the apostle, in John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, of course, God so loving the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him wouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. But then God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. So that is good news. But then in verses 18 through 21, John talks about the fact that the light has come and the people love darkness more than light, because in the darkness you can, well, that noted theologian Kurt Cobain from the group Nirvana back in the early 90s had that song uh, where it, that included the chorus, with the lights out, it's less dangerous. Here we are now. Entertain us. That kind of sums up a whole second. I mean, he had no idea. The man wound up taking his own life in a drug abuse. But it's kind of where we are as a culture right now. So how do we shine the light of Christ into a culture that wants to cancel uh, certain segments simply because of their skin color? We'll discuss that with Pastor John Amonchukwu on the other side of this break as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, pastor and author John Amanchukwu. Pastor John is with us today here on The Bottom Line to talk about his new book, Erased, Uncovering the Lies of Critical Race Theory and Abortion. If you missed the first part of this conversation here in our terrestrial radio releases, please go back to thebottomlineshow.com. You'll see a link for the book and also some powerful uh, testimonies from uh, Pastor John with regard to uh, the, the way critical race theory has infiltrated the culture. How I mean, would we see the fact that so many people are literally calling good evil and evil good you can see CRT's hands all over it. And in, in the second chapter of your book, uh, you, you, you address this issue and what you found uh, as the future of America coming up off the college campuses and how they view this very issue. Pastor John, talk about what you've discovered. Yes, you know, uh, chapter two of my book really speaks to what happened in the past election in the midterm elections. You know, Generation Z, uh, by and large, didn't go and find a voter's guide to figure out who they wanted to support, right? right? They've been indoctrinated intentionally into the lies that the public school system and social media has hurled upon them through celebrities, through artists, and the likes. But in chapter two of my new book, Erased, um, I want to reference something here. It says, in 2021, Columbia University offered a special graduation ceremony for Native Americans, Blacks, Latinos, Asians, and LGBTQ students. Hmm. These were in addition to a community-wide graduation, but even so, these separate ceremonies have all the flavor of Jim Crow in reverse. Hmm. In 2020... New York University moved to begin offering segregated dormitories for students who identify as Black, describing the new housing as a way to create a safe space for students of color. Black student unions are common at many large universities, but in recent years, there have been white student unions formed in response. Sadly, schools like Columbia and NYU are not the only one making such changes. A survey of 173 colleges and universities found that 42% offered segregated residences. 
Mm. 46% offer segregated orientation programs. 72% host segregated graduation ceremonies. So an entire generation is being taught through word and example that the most important thing about another person is their race and who they desire to sleep with. Interesting. We are going backwards in this nation. America is not a perfect nation. We have, we've had our past atrocities. Uh, we've come through the slavery area, era. Right. We've come through Jim Crow. And America, America is not the racist nation that it once was. We can all say that. We have made great strides in this nation. But there are people who seek to keep racism alive as a tool to keep blacks bound on the liberal plantation and the words of Candace Owens. Mm. There is a strategic effort of creating and manufacturing, even at times, racial tensions in America. Does racism still exist in our culture? The answer is yes. Racism will not be eradicated until Jesus comes back. Why? Because racism is not a skin tone or a color. Racism is sin. And the Bible tells us that all, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That also means that not only can whites be racist, but blacks can be racist. Asians can be racist. Pacific Pacific Islanders can be racist. Uh, Hispanics, you know, I was in San Diego about three to four weeks ago, and this gentleman who picked me up was from Peru. And he was talking to me about the racist undertones that he has experienced in America from other Hispanics. Really? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you know, and so so he was talking to me about you know how Cubans are very condescending to people who are Hispanics who may be Mexican or from mm. Peru or, mm-hmm. or or from El Salvador, you know, just different 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 areas like that. And so racism cannot be pushed in a in a manner where we say that racism equal, equals white. That's the framework of critical race theory. Racism does not equal white. Racism equals sin. It's a sin nature. And I want to say this, that the church should speak against and or preach against racism. We should, but it should not be in a woke uh, system where we're trying to make whites feel guilty for things that have happened to blacks in the past. You know, I say this all the time that I have uh, several Caucasian friends, several white friends, but I don't have any white friends who suffer from white guilt. Mm. Okay. If you tell me, Roger, you know, that you suffer from white guilt, we can't be friends anymore. <laughs> because if you suffer from white guilt, then I should suffer from black shame. Mm. Interesting. All right. If you have to feel guilty because God made you white and the past atrocities of blacks, right? Then I should feel ashamed because God made me black. And there's mm. nothing shameful about the pigmentation of my skin. I have Amen. a beautiful black wife and she is not a victim and there's nothing shameful about her. I have, a, I have three beautiful black children and there's nothing shameful about them and they are not victims. Amen. America is the greatest country on planet earth. I believe that I won the lottery when God allowed me to be born in America. This is the greatest country in the, on the face of the planet. Uh, my father was born in Nigeria and I went to Nigeria in 2003 of December. And listen, uh, when, when, I, when I came back from Nigeria, I could have kissed the bathroom of a 7-Eleven hmm. gas station because I was so happy to get back to the States <laughs> Because being in Nigeria, the motherland, Africa, I mean, the militia is so corrupt. They hold Mm. AK-47s at you, forcing you to give them 
uh, Naira, which is the Nigerian currency there. Uh, The the system, the structure of government, you know, is is not conducive conducive for upward mobility. You know, the the government there is very treacherous and very corrupt, you know. Uh, And so I was blessed to get back to the States. You know, Whoopi Goldberg said that she was going to move out of the U.S. to Africa when Donald Trump won. I said, no, you're not. (laughs) You're lying. I've been to Africa and we are blessed to be born here. Oh, I love it. I what a great, powerful message, uh, an encouraging message, a message of exhortation, too, from Pastor John Amanchukwu. Today here on The Bottom Line, Pastor John, the author of the book called Erased, Uncovering the Lies of Critical Race Theory and Abortion. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. John, we got about 90 seconds left in our time together here, and I'd love for you to give us some marching orders. We hear a lot about what the church's role should be, you know, what pastors should be preaching on. You actually do include a couple of chapters, and I won't ask you to, uh, you know, drill down on all of that, but for people in Caucasian congregations or African-American congregations, even Hispanic or others, what do you hope that the, the pulpit will sound like regarding this issue in 2023? Well, the reality is we need to get back to preaching the Bible, period. The church has moved away from the Bible, to the point that we've now become uh, pastors are more so motivational speakers mm. and life coaches. And there's nothing wrong with a motivational speaker. There's nothing wrong with a life coach. But as a man of God, God has called me to be a pastor, to be a shepherd, to speak his word and to lead people through the scriptures. We need to get back to preaching God's infallible word. You know, in 2023, I am launching a national campaign where I'll be going to churches and conferences and school board meetings. As a result of my viral video, I have received over 30 invitations to go and speak at school board meetings around the country. Excellent. And so that's going to be my focus for 2023. If you want to support me in that area, you can go to johnamanchukwu.com. The last name is A-M-A-N-C-H-U-K-W-U.com. And you can make a contribution and support my efforts as I travel the country fighting and standing up for our children. Amen. Amen. Well, we've got that link up at the bottomlineshow.com so you can learn more about Pastor John, where he's speaking, where he's uh, uh, delivering this powerful message, and also more information about his book, Erased, Uncovering the Lies of Critical Race Theory and Abortion. Pastor John, thanks for being with us. Thank you so much. What a great conversation with Pastor John today here on The Bottom Line, A-M-A-N-C-U-K-W-U. John Amanchukwu, the name of the book is called Erased, Uncovering the Lives of Critical Race Theory and Abortion. A link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and I love having so many copies of the book to give away today because I think you're going to be blessed by this. You remember this pastor who went to the North Carolina School Board and said critical race theory is not what our kids need to learn right now. They need to learn actual history and biblical truth. This is the guy, and this is his book, Erased, Uncovering the Lives of Critical Race Theory and Abortion. Three copies to give away right now at 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. I would love for Crystal to be able to send you one of the three copies of this book they were giving away right now called Erased and covering the lies of critical race theory and abortion. 800 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. As we continue, what exactly is Title 22? Why did the courts rule in December to lift this? And why is this Trump-era policy something that even a guy like Gavin Newsom of the People's Republic of California would say, hey, wait a minute, Title 42 is a good thing to have in place. Otherwise, our immigration system may just completely break. We'll talk about why he said that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. One of the greatest gifts that we can give to an expectant mother is the gift of the first picture she'll ever have of her son or daughter in the womb. That comes through an ultrasound, and our friends at Preborn have an opportunity for us to make more of these ultrasounds a reality. Every time you give a donation of $28 to Preborn, that means one more ultrasound can take place. But how about giving enough money for an ultrasound machine? The cost is $15,000. It's a sizable investment. But every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year, and 
lasts at least 10 years. Now take that cost $15,000 and divide that by 2,500. Okay, now you begin to see how the cost per ultrasound goes down even more once we have more ultrasound machines to donate into preborn clinics. Make a donation right now to preborn. It's completely tax deductible, and every penny, every dollar you donate right now is going to the purchase of an ultrasound machine. 833-850-BABY is the number to call. 833-850-2229 or go to kbrightradio.com. That's K-B-R-I-T-E radio.com. Click on the banner for Preborn and make your best donation right now. $25, $50, $100, it all counts towards saving babies' lives. KBrightRadio.com. Hit the Preborn banner right now. My thanks again to Pastor John, John Amonchukwu, the uh, author of the book Erased, Uncovering the Lives of Critical Race Theory and Abortion. A link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. You remember him, his presence, that gray suit, white shirt, pound of the table in front of the school board in North Carolina talking about why, as an African-American dad and pastor, he did not support the teaching of critical race theory. His new book, Erased, Uncovering the Lives of Critical Race Theory and Abortion, covers that topic. And we've got three copies of the book to give away right now, and Crystal's standing by to take your calls. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. Now, you may or may not be aware with something called Title 42, and you probably might not have heard, or maybe you did, that uh, that Title 42 was voted on by a, a federal court in December, and it was overturned. Uh, people in the Biden administration are cheering that on. People in California, though, are not. Now, when you find out why even Governor Gavin Mussolini does not like t- the Title 42 removal, you might be a little surprised. During the pandemic, the Trump administration passed a policy. Basically, this is called the Remain in Mexico policy. The idea was to uh, keep the flow of illegal immigration at a minimum simply because there was a pandemic and there was a concern, and I think rightly so, when the pandemic was first, uh, you know, pandemic, when it first came out and came to public awareness, there were a lot of people who were concerned. Nobody knew, you know, who's carrying the virus, what kind of, uh, you know, stuff are they carrying with them? Um, you know, how, how dangerous could it be? You know, it's, it's the same way. But Lisa and I were in Arizona back in uh, mid-December. Uh, she graduated from the University, University of Arizona. No, she was not making that commute. And yes, we were still, you know, in the same household. Um, gotta love the world of online technology uh, that allowed her to pursue her education uh, at that university. And we made the drive, uh, just got on Interstate 10 from Southern California and headed out to Tucson and, and watched her get her cap and gown. It was a wonderful time. As we were driving there and back, we came across a uh, border station for the California-Arizona border. And the checkpoint there was to test more from people, stuff coming in from Arizona into California than the other way around. I don't think we were stopped at any point going from California to Arizona, but on the way back, uh, fortunately for us, we did so early, early in the morning. And I, I don't know if this is a good thing or not, but if you're making the drive on Interstate 10 from Arizona to California, you don't want to get stopped at the border. We didn't see any border agents at 5 a.m. when we were driving past that. So I just, whatever it's for. But the concern is if there are people who are coming into the state of California from Mexico, either they're coming up from the south through San Diego and that the border stop in San Clemente, or if they're coming in through Arizona by way of uh, Nevada, New Mexico, Texas, whatever, um, there's a concern about people bringing various fruits and vegetables and you know things in that might not meet the same FDA standards that we have here in the states, or people who might be you know carrying a communicable disease. That was the big reason why Title 42 was put into action in 2020, was the federal government was concerned that if people were coming to this country either seeking better medical attention or they just wanted to be closer to family or they were being trafficked in here because they were moving weapons or drugs or guns or, you know, whatever, um, that they wanted to make sure that the border, that the border patrol was by federal law saying, look, if you're from Mexico, stay in Mexico. Until we figure this out, stay in Mexico. And a funny thing happened when Title 42 was put into place. Illegal immigration went down dramatically. So naturally, and you get some people who just can't help themselves. You know, there are a lot of folks who look at a current political administration and they'll say, well, we're Democrats and the Republicans are in charge. And when we get in charge, we're going to do things better. 
And then the minute they win the majority of the House or the Senate or the Assembly or wherever they get in charge of, they just start changing everything. You, you said yes, well, we'll say no. You said right, we'll say left. Republicans do the same things too. But the problem with that type of mentality is sometimes you stumble across something that actually was working. In the case of Donald Trump, for example, when he took office, you know, he pats himself on the back for uh, saving the American economy and really turning things around. In all honesty, the Obama administration had put so many restrictions on the U.S. economy during the, uh, the Great Recession that they probably kept the recession going a little bit longer. Whether or not that was intentional, uh, only history will tell us. My vote is it was. The, the uh, President 44 really liked that kind of socialistic, almost communistic type of narrative. I'm not saying he's a communist. I'm saying that he was more socialistic in terms of the government should have more control over things. Donald Trump came into office and a lot of the stuff that he did that was good for the economy was really just taking some of the breaks off of the Obama policies. It wasn't necessarily that he was a gifted businessman. He just said, wait, why are we holding this back? Why are we holding this back? Then the pandemic hit and all of a sudden it's like, hey, we got to shut the border down basically to you know really limit the flow of illegal traffic. Of course, legal immigration continued at a healthy clip. But basically law enforcement under Title 42 didn't have to wait through and wade through as many uh, uh, red tape options to get rid of illegal immigrants. They could just say, look, it's Title 42. You're not here legally. Go. Just go. So you would think that uh, the, the Democrats would want Title 42 to go away because, first of all, well, this is kind of a delicate balance for them. Number one, if the pandemic is now an endemic, which means there's not a great loss. of People might get infected, sure, but they get the flu, too. They get pneumonia, too, and we don't see large swaths of the population dying. So if the pandemic is over, then you can lift Title 42 and more people can stream into the country illegally as well as legally. That bodes well for Democrats because they like to have the population here. Why? Because look at a place like the People's Republic of California. You don't have to be a citizen to get a driver's license. You don't have to be a citizen to vote. As a matter of fact, sometimes citizenship in California is almost more of a punishment. But if you declare the endemic over, or the pandemic to be an endemic, and you allow for the flow of illegals, then you have to take some of the other restrictions off. And quite frankly, that doesn't fit the narrative well especially for a guy like Gavin Newsom. In a weird case of politics makes for strange bedfellows, Governor Newsom warned that California would not benefit from the lifting of Title 42. He said, let's face it, the fact is what we have right now isn't working very well anyway. And taking a break in this uh, you know, post-42 world would literally just kind of break us unless we take some responsibility and ownership. Now, this from a guy who seemingly champions the encouragement of non-documented workers, non-documented students, everybody come, let's become the abortion capital of the world, let's become the transgender surgery capital of the world, but all of a sudden, um, huh. So this is the same governor who does not like the fact that governors of Texas and Florida have been busing illegal immigrants to other states like New York and even California. The fact that Republican governors in those states have been transporting those busloads of illegal immigrants to the liberal enclave of Washington, D.C. and Martha's Vineyard. Um, it's interesting because now Gavin Newsom looks like he's doing a 180. Remember when Donald Trump put Title 42 into place and Gavin Newsom was really at odds with him? You can't do that. People need to come here, this, that, and the other thing. But now all of a sudden, Joe Biden is in favor of lifting Title 42. And Gavin Newsom says, don't do that. California will break. California will break? How will more illegal immigration into California break the state? Well, <laughs> when you hear what the Washington Free Beacon is reporting about why Gavin Newsom is making these statements, you're going to ask yourself the question. I know a couple weeks ago he said he was not running for president in 2024, but is this one of those cases of telling me you're running for president without telling me you're running for president? 
You could be the judge on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Uh, by the way, we still have a couple minutes left in our giveaway, giving away three copies of Pastor John Amanchuku's book, Erased, Uncovering the Lies of Critical Race Theory and Abortion. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Also, there's a link for the clip, the video clip of Pastor John addressing the school board in North Carolina that made national headlines and uh, really brought a lot of notoriety to what this pastor is doing to stand up and say, look, as a African-American pastor, I don't think critical race theory is what we should be teaching. I think we should be teaching the history of racism in this country and a biblical solution to it. The book Erased, Uncovering the Lives of Critical Race Theory and Abortion is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Three copies left to give away between now and the top of the hour. 800 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Uh, Gavin Newsom is not a fan of lifting the break on Title 42. Who would have thunk? You'd think that he would welcome. I mean, Title 42 made it easier for federal agents at the border to apprehend someone who was coming in illegally from Mexico and send them home right away. No detention center, no children in cages, no special hearings that they wouldn't show up to anyway. None of that stuff. What makes it even more interesting is this is the, what was called the remain in Mexico policy, which liberals just couldn't stand. Progressives even worse. How can you tell these poor people leaving their country, fleeing from their homeland, political asylum, et cetera, et cetera, or in many cases just being trafficked? That's the bigger crime. But Gavin Newsom said, quite frankly, this is what he gave an interview to ABC News about a week ago said, here's the thing. The fact is what we've got right now is not working and it is about to break in a post-42 world unless we take some responsibility and ownership. He does not want to see Title 42 eliminated, even though he went head-to-head with Donald Trump when Trump enacted it back in 2020, even though he's been very critical of Texas Governor Greg Abbott, a Republican, and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, also a Republican, of taking busloads of illegals who come here in spite of Title 42, and sending them to Washington, D.C. and Martha's Vineyard and whatever. Now, Gavin Newsom increased his national profile pretty mightily by going toe-to-toe with Donald Trump and saying, hey, look, California, immigration, blah, blah, blah. But now he says, look, I I don't mean to point fingers here, but I don't think that this is something that we should be considering, especially after, are you ready for this? Gavin Newsom went to the border. That's right. (laughs) The guy who's been for open borders and basically limitless illegal immigration for all these years, all of a sudden went to the border and he saw what was happening. And he did so basically under cover of darkness. Usually when a dignitary like a Gavin Newsom or a Joe Biden is going to make an appearance somewhere, all the media knows. Hey, coming up next Thursday, Governor of California visiting the border at San Diego, send your press team. The Newsom team did not give California reporters advance warning of his border visit. It was only covered by national press, not the local press. And interestingly enough, uh, now... Uh, he didn't respond to a request from the Washington Free Beacon. They asked how many immigrants the federal government had sent to California during the year. Apparently, it's been problematic. And here's why Newsom said he did what he did and said what he said. Quote, I'm saying this as a father. I'm saying this as someone who feels responsible for being part of the solution, and I'm trying to do my best here. It's easy to call a problem not a problem when you've never seen it before. But I do commend the governor for going to the border. The president hasn't done that to seeing how bad the problem is and then saying, wait a minute, Title 42 isn't perfect. But if we take the brakes off of that one, it's going to wreak havoc on a place like California. And I don't want to stand for that. That is good news. And that is the bottom line. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your day. And uh, Rabbi Schneider, Discovering the Jewish Jesus, coming your way next. As we continue, the National Crawford Roundtable, first edition of 2023, is next as the bottom line continues.